0: The first time that I can ever remember being in over my head, literally, was at a hotel swimming pool. It's not a very good story. Uh, It happened a long time ago. I don't remember a lot of the details. I'd make them up, but I understand our bishop frowns upon embellishing stories, so I will refrain. The details I do remember is that somehow I, I got separated from my friends that I was there with. And I ended up in an area of the pool that was over my head. And I don't remember, I don't remember how it happened, I don't remember what happened exactly, but what I remember is actually standing at the bottom of the pool, my feet on the floor, on, my t- on the tiptoes, just reaching up and reaching my hands up over my head, hoping someone would see me. The details are blurry. Spoiler alert, I survived my friend's mom rescued me, the details are blurry, but that feeling has stayed with me. That feeling of desperation, that feeling that no matter how hard I tried in that moment, I wasn't able to get myself to safety. That feeling has resurfaced a few times throughout my life. And perhaps it has, for you also, Perhaps you've gotten that phone call with some bad news that you are not ready for, that you're not sure that you can handle, and you feel overwhelmed. Perhaps you've been confronted with your failure, or perhaps with your sin. There's this pattern in your life, and it's destroying you from the inside, and no matter what you try to do, it doesn't seem to help and you feel overwhelmed. The cry that we have in these moments, whether it's conscious or subconscious, aloud or in our hearts, is, is there any hope? Will anyone rescue me? The passage that we just read shouts a resounding yes. Now if the account of the flood does not seem like a story of hope to you, if it does not seem like a story of a rescue to you, then you may be forgiven. I understand why that might happen. A lot of times what happens is when we've heard a story a few times, we tend to focus in on one aspect of it, right? So for example, recently my family watched the classic Disney version of Cinderella. And I asked my daughter the next day, two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, I said, did you like the movie? And she said, yeah. And I asked her, do you remember what it was about? And she said, well, Cinderella was a princess, and the mean girls tore her dress. And the mice and the birds were happy when they were making the dress, but the mean girls tore it. And she was a little bit sad. There you have it, the story of Cinderella. Cinderella technically true. Those things happened, but it's not the whole story. And this happens when we read the flood narrative. When we tell it to children, sometimes it's a story about animals, right, going two by two into the ark, and there's always every picture I've seen has a giraffe and an elephant. Any other animals might not be there, dogs, cats, always a giraffe and an elephant. It's, it, it becomes this whimsical tale of a man who finds himself the zookeeper of the world's largest floating zoo. And it's cute, and kids love it. It's great for branding. We've got a little Fisher Price Noah's Ark that opens up and it's got all the little animals inside. I went to Noah's Ark preschool as a kid. It's great, kids love it. Then we read the account when we get a little bit older. We reach our teenage years, we start reading our Bibles and we realize, oh no, this is not a kids' safe story. This is a story of judgment. It's tragic. Would you buy your kids a Fisher-Price Sodom and Gomorrah set? Send your kids to Little Tots Preschool of the Babylonian Exile? Yes, there are animals. Yes, there is judgment. But there is so much more. There is rescue. There is hope. And I would want to say, even in the judgment, there is hope. How could that be? How could this be hopeful? I don't want to downplay the judgment. It's there. But consider with me. I think it's it's difficult for us to get our minds wrapped around a world where all of the thoughts, all the intentions of the thoughts of people's hearts were only evil continually. God sees this world where there is so much evil, all of the thoughts continually. Can you imagine that? God is grieved because he hates what sin is doing to his world. Deacon Matt beautifully talked to us last night about how God's justice and his mercy work hand in hand, and this is an example of that. This evil was going to take root in the world. Can you imagine the violence that we would read in Genesis with no flood? Can you imagine the exploitation? Can you imagine the abandonment and the despair, the neglect? And here's this one righteous man, Noah, and he's, he's trying to tread water with his family what hope does a righteous man have in a world torn apart like this? What hope could there be that he would raise his children to follow Jesus, to follow God, Jesus, had not yet been revealed to him? And God, yes, sends a cleansing flood on the earth, but not before he gathers Noah and his little family He gathers them together, and he brings them safely through the water. Through a wooden vessel. He protects them through the waves and the storms, and brings them safely on dry ground. This is a rescue story. And what's interesting is that as we read the Bible. As we continue to read the Old Testament, we begin to see that this is not an anomaly. God is always doing this. We're gonna see it tonight. As we go through these vigil passages, we're going to see that God is always on a rescue mission. This is what he does. When Jesus rose from the dead, he explained to his disciples that the Old Testament was actually written about him. It was pointing forward to him. And New Testament Christians realized that the story of Noah, the true story of Noah was pointing forward to a new and better Noah. Jesus Christ, the only righteous one in his generation, the only one who was without sin, who gathers a family to himself and brings us safely through the waters of baptism, which signify the death of our old self, of our sinful nature. He saves us through this wooden vessel, the cross. Carrying us through the winds and the waves. And one day, we are waiting for the day when he will establish us. Where he will give us security. We will have the fulfillment of that covenant. That the storm is over. And we are safe. this is why for so long christians have talked about god's people the church as the ark of god this is his rescue vessel his lifeboat so what are we to make of that what does that mean for you and for me brothers and sisters when we read noah We see that God has a rescue plan for Noah, and he has a rescue plan for us. But how are we going to respond to that rescue plan? It may be that there may be some tonight who have never responded to Jesus. Jesus is there wanting to rescue you. Maybe you feel like you're drowning in these destructive practices that are tearing you apart. There are relationships, perhaps, that are broken because of sin, because of something that you've done or something that you've said, and it feels like, like your world is crumbling. Jesus reaches out his hands to say, Come, come into my boat, into my lifeboat. Perhaps you wanted, when, when Bishop Stewart was speaking after vigil tonight, you wanted to raise your hand, you wanted to say, Jesus... I want to follow you as Lord, but you couldn't quite get there. You will have more opportunities tonight. Say yes to Jesus. Come into his boat. But this passage also has hope for those who have already said yes to Jesus, does it not? We're in the boat. We've said yes to Jesus. We're in his church. We've been saved from our sins, saved from hopelessness. And yet, sometimes it just feels like we're getting knocked around. There are pressures from the outside. Perhaps we feel like the culture is bearing in on us and it's just so hard to remain faithful to Jesus. We're afraid we're gonna be on the wrong side of history in some regard and we're getting tossed around by the ways of the culture. Or maybe it's something inside the church, something inside the boat that's getting to us. Relationships within the church that aren't perfect as we maybe would have expected them to be. The work is hard and we're wondering, God, how long am I gonna be in this boat? When are you gonna settle me down in safety? As I was listening to Jeannie's song tonight, and maybe you wanna rewrite my sermon that image of trusting God to carry us through until the dawn. You may be in a waiting period right now. Take heart. Noah's salvation happened in two stages. Did you see that? He was rescued from the flood, but it took time before he came to his final destination and experienced the fullness of his rescue. We've been rescued from our sins, and one day we will be rescued permanently. God will make all things right. There's one more group that I want to talk to, and that's those of you who have said yes to Jesus, but maybe you're not sure about his boat. You're not sure about the church. Maybe you've been hurt by someone who claims to be a Christian. Maybe, maybe you've read the news any day of the week. You've read about a a religious leader who's fallen and you're just not sure about this this institution, the church. I want you to know, this is Jesus' family. there There is one boat. Jesus doesn't save us with a bunch of individual lifeboats. Maybe you've been trying to get by for a while by hanging over the edge of the boat. You know, like maybe if I, maybe if I hold on but, but don't get in, I, I won't be in the waves, but I, I won't be in with all those other Christians. I, I'm worried for you. Perhaps you come on a Sunday morning and slip out as soon as you can Perhaps you listen to podcasts and you, and, and you hope that that will be enough. And I'm, I'm worried that you're going to reach that point where that big wave is going to come and you're going to lose your grip and there's going to be no brothers and sisters around you to tell you God will be faithful. He'll bring you through to your destination. It may be that tonight God is calling you to a renewed commitment to his family, to his boat, his church. Perhaps a renewed commitment would express itself in membership at your church, committing to the life of a church, to resurrection, if you're a member here, or if you're an attender here. Perhaps you're being called to a renewed commitment to service, or a new commitment to giving, or just a renewed commitment to whatever God will have for you in this season. Don't push away his family. This is his rescue vessel for you. We're going to have some ministry time tonight. And whether you are inside the boat or outside the boat, or you're not really sure where you are in relation to the boat, take an opportunity, take the time to ask Jesus, Jesus, What are you calling me to? What is your rescue plan for me? And you can trust that he has one. He loves you, and he wants to bring you to a safe place, the place that he promises, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.